Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Author Eke. Today, we're across the pond uh, talking to Patrick Larsmont, and he is uh, one mile from the beach in the UK. That's right. So don't nobody get upset with him. He, he worked hard his whole life, and he deserves it. So, well, also, the one thing to remember, though, it's in the UK, so it's not exactly okay. <laughs> a sunshine state or anything. <laughs> yeah, but you can see it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Excellent. Sure. So he has written some very interesting books. Uh, on a young Scottish kid who wants to serve his country during uh, World War II. In the darkest times of World War II, the Battle of Britain. That's and right. for you guys that don't know, that was a monumental task that the RAF did in that period. And it was because, one, uh, just the sheer bravery of the men and women, and also the invention of radar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so excellent. But... Patrick, please tell us about yourself, and then we're going to talk about these awesome books because I cool. I am a big World War II and Great. airplane fan. Great. Well, as I say, I'm, my name is Patrick Larsamont. Um, I uh, I grew up in Scotland. Um, went to boarding school at the same school as my hero. Um, so it starts off. Uh, his name is Jocks McNabb, um, which is actually the surname of the founder of my school. It was called Dollar Academy. Uh, mm. It is called Dollar Academy. Um, and so basically, this kid. Um, Gets into trouble because he goes out have a drink with his uh, his friends and gets thrown out of school. Doesn't know what he's going to do. It's 1939, uh, um, um, uh, July 1939, and actually he sees a hurricane fighter flying over, and he says, and he sees the initials written on the side of the plane, and it says J X M Jocks McNabb. And he goes, okay, I'm going to become a fighter pilot. <laughs> Excellent. And that's it. Um, and so then the story is basically a young young kid. I mean, he's 17 years old. And he basically tries to join. And so the first couple of chapters, four chapters, is him basically trying to make it. Um, mm-hmm. Things happen to him. One of his best friends gets killed. I mean, so it's actually quite realistic. But again, the thing to remember is this is a really young kid. Um, and so by the time he's in the Battle of France, um, also known as Blitzkrieg, um, and um, so the title of my book is The Lightning and the Few. And the lightning refers to the lightning war, which is Blitzkrieg, which is where the Germans charge across Poland, France, Belgium, Holland. And so basically, the British try to help the French by sending their their, um, fighter aircraft and their troops actually over. And basically, everyone gets their asses kicked. Um, Uh And then there's Dunkirk, where they try to come back. So that's the first half of 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 my first book, um, The Lightning. And then The Few is 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 the name that Churchill called the fighter pilots, the young fighter pilots that defended um, the nation. Um, I'm paraphrasing here, but the uh, the speech is um, never in the field of human conflict has so much been owed by so many to so few. Uh-huh. Um, and so that became his probably his most famous speech ever. And so I've stolen that and stuck it in there. Um, and so that's the story. So um, um, so the first book, as I say, is called The Lightning and the Few, uh-huh. and it takes us up until um, the end of the Battle of Britain, and then the start of what is known in the UK as the Blitz which is basically when the Germans stopped attacking the airfields and started attacking the folks in, in the cities. And that then is mm-hmm. my book two. Um, in fact, I can show you. This is book one. Yes, yes awesome. And, Great. And this is book two. Perfect. So um, book two is the Raiders and the Cross. So the Raiders is the Raiders coming over in air raids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another story, which not everyone knows about, about the Siege of Malta, um, which is kind of like the key... Um, to the Mediterranean, which was like, at one time, it was known as the most bombed place on on, on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a kind of another interesting story. 
I think um, from a North American perspective, I mean, this all sounds like a very British story, but in fact, there were an awful lot of uh, troops from lots of places, part of the British Empire, a lot of Canadians, a whole bunch of Americans actually joined mm -hmm. the Royal Canadian Air Force to actually join in. And in my story, uh, there's a whole bunch of guys, squadrons called the Eagle Squadrons, which are involved. Um, in fact, one little sort of statistic um, I've got is 60% um, of my readers are American. Yep. Um, and um, a remarkable number of them are in law enforcement. Well, excellent. Go figure. Excellent. <laughs> they like to get away from the, what, what, what they do every day to, to well, read guess, a, you well, know, a good well, story. I've had a, I've had a few guys um, send me pictures of their handguns, which is a bit weird. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but we like um, guns. We're yeah, American. I guess we like so. I guess so. Um, um, and then what else? I've also had a bunch of Canadian guys who get a bit upset about some of the things you know, because they're real sticklers for rules, I found the Canadians. And uh, uh, sometimes, um, I think I actually heard one of your, um, uh, one of your uh, in conversations you had about, you know, basically guys kind of having a go at something you've written. And uh, I call them the rivet counters, who kind of correct uh, me on how many rivets I've got in the airplane or whatever. Um, I think I had one guy who got very upset when he said, this author seems to think you can recover from a a stall failure in a Harvard by doing a something or other. Yes, I was fiction. in the I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> it's fiction. I love, yeah, some, yeah, people sure, just, sure. some people just don't have anything to better do than uh, just critique somebody to death who's never done what you've done. Well, I guess right? so. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, like I said, I was an ad man for 30 years, so uh, I've got a pretty thick skin. So, uh, but, but I, you I do have an Air Force background. You were in the Air Force uh, yes, that's right. the intelligence for, side. That's right. I served for a, for a couple of years between university and uh, and, uh, and 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 working, um, my father was from Belgium, so I got that kind of the shock of my life um, when I, uh, um, I was called up to do military service. Um, but I um, I guess if I was going to do it, I'd you know I'd put my heart into it. And because right. I was, I think the expression that they used was very familiar with the Anglo-Saxon world. Um, I then <laughs> became uh, uh, an intelligence officer, so I got up to. Uh, First lieutenant uh, equivalent in the U.S. and uh, uh -huh. so I was based in a place called um, Florin, Second Tactical Wing. And actually, because you know, for our conversation, I looked it back up again because I, I know that the Americans were in the southern part of our, our base, and I, I remember it now. It's the 485th Tactical Missile Wing okay. over there. So that was ICBMs, Griffins. So I mean, it was pretty serious stuff. It was nuclear missiles on the base. Um, it was towards the end of um, the Salt Treaty talks, and so I, you know. Uh -huh. I can remember being officer of the guard one day and uh, officer of the watch and uh, just a column of American um, vehicles pull up the front gate and they want to come in to prepare the site for the inspection of the Soviets that were coming the next day. This was a Sunday. Right. No one knows anything. No one expects them. No, I'm calling the saying. colonel up and saying, <laughs> well, I've got about 70 Americans here who want to come in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was a long time ago, mind you. I mean, That was um, around yeah. the Pershing missile, missile debate putting the Pershing, Pershing missile in Germany. And okay. that's what kind of holded this whole the escalation of the salt, the salt treaty. That's right. They didn't that's want right. The nuclear, nuclear missiles on the continent. Yeah. But I mean, we so. also had something called the TLP, the Tactical Leadership Program for the fighter pilot squadrons across, um, across NATO. That was also based in, on, on, my, on my base. And, uh, and then because it was a fighter-bomber base, but also had nuclear capabilities, we regularly had um, exercises which involve airborne troops parachuting onto the air, onto the airfield to try mm -hmm. to seize it back from Spetsnaz. So I mean, yeah. it was great fun. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you and I were both Cold War warriors. Yeah. Um, uh, um, and that all seems a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I guarded the east-west German border and the west German-Czech okay. border. So, yeah, uh, yeah back, that, back in the day. Back in I guess the day. so. I mean, you know, it was very different bad guys. Yeah. Well, I guess it all goes like in a circle eventually. It's all, it's all yeah. coming back to get you. So what, how'd you get into writing? I mean, from the Air Force and the advertising, you've okay. written a lot of copy probably. So how did you get I have, writing? but actually I was more on the business side and the management side. Um, and one of the things I came to realize is, is, is I, I paid a lot of guys a lot of money to come up with ideas and stuff. And, and over the mm. years, I kind of started thinking, mm, yeah, okay, it's okay, but I wonder if I could do any better. And then to be honest with you, the, um, the crux of it was, I mean, I never really thought about writing. You know, I sort of evaluated creative, bought it, sold it, and all that sort of thing. But actually, um, lockdown came along. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sitting there, you know, at home wondering what to do. And I said, okay, I'll give this a go. Um, so the first attempt I did, um, and you'll know this as a writer, um, yeah. um, I, I wrote a novel of 170,000 words long. That's a little too long. <laughs> that's a little bit too long. You're right. Yeah. Um, you could have broken it up into part one, part two. Well, that's right. I should have, and it could have. But actually, I mean, here's a happy ending to the story. Right. Um, so um, that was called, um, it is called um, um, Yesterday Soldier. So my stories tend to be kind of a military history kind of involvement. Um, mm. But this particular one is about previous lives. So a guy, an ordinary guy like me, I guess, has a car accident, um, in a coma, wakes up, terrible dreams. And it turns out he's linked back to five, pre four previous lives of his um, where he was a soldier. And he's oh, got to wow. figure something out. And so it's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. And in the past, he was a World War I soldier, World War II soldier, uh, a Viet Cong nurse. Um, and also a, an African warrior. So it's kind of an interesting, very complicated mm -hmm. story, which I guess is why it became so long. Um, locked, I was locked down one, still didn't know what I was doing. Lockdown right. two, tried again. Um, and mm -hmm. this is another story. It's called Brookwood Boys, and it's about ghosts in a place called Brookwood Cemetery, which is the largest military cemetery in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and it's got um, Americans, uh, uh, French, Canadian, Dutch, Belgian, mm -hmm. French, I mean, everything you could possibly think of, First World War, Second World War. And it's a really, really interesting place for me. So um, um, I used to go and visit there a lot. I mean, there's things like, you know, even from an American perspective, um, so there's a whole bunch of First World War guys there. The Second World War guys were buried there, but then they were mm. all, funny, strangely enough, dug up after the Second World War and, uh, and then moved to um, Cambridge. Don't know okay. why. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of guys from a disaster called Slapton Sands, where over a thousand Americans got killed, and he was practicing for D-Day. D-Day, so yes. They all got buried. They all got buried in Brookwood, and then because it's so secret, they all got dug up. And you know, so there's a lot of intrigue, mm -hmm. lots of stuff like that going on. There's soldiers from Jet. Anyway, so this whole idea, the idea came to me is that there must be so many ghost stories here, and so I basically created a story about that. Oh, wow, that's cool. Is that subsequent to that, I then uh, um, I entered a competition and, and, and won this prize to, to write what I am writing is these World War II aviation um, um, thrillers. Um, so it was, it was contract to, 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 to write five. I've written three. I'm writing the fourth one. Mm. But in the meantime, my publisher, thankfully, um, no spoilers, have decided to buy my first two books as well. So I'm on a roll. I'm just going to make it happen now. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. So what why aviation is it always interested you or is it just because it, it's such a remarkable story uh in uh in england the, you know the the you know battle for britain right that was such yeah. a 
I mean, monumental story against odds that were just, I mean, Luftwaffe had thousands of planes. They were based in France. They were based in Belgium. And they really had a very short flight to England. And then they had the the night bomber capabilities with the Heinkels and everything. And then really the... It's tough for a fighter to fight at night back in those periods of time. That's right. So I mean, they were super was confident. Bombarded. They, were, they were super confident because they'd done so well in all the other countries. Mm-hmm. And so it really was the the last line. I mean, I've always kind of been interested in it, but in a kind of a – I read somewhere that – what is it? Um, um, when men get to 40, they either get, develop an interest in the Second World War or they develop an interest in going to the gym. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> certainly, I know which one I went for. Um, but uh, but uh, um, so I've always been interested. And and actually, the aviation, I mean, I was in the Air Force. And so kind of, I guess I was interested. I'm sort of interested. But never, it was never a passion. I'm not one of these people who say, you know, I was writing at the age of seven kind of thing. No, I mean, I yeah, always yeah. like stories. I love movies. I love war movies. And mm. so it, it just kind of osmosis. And then I think lockdown just got me thinking, I've got to do something. So I'm going to do that kind of it was a bit of an unguided missile with the first two books and then i applied for this competition and i won it and then it's like boom you owe us five books um, yeah. and i just got stuck in you know so i, I guess i got uh-huh. a pretty good work ethic and uh you know i i try to write 1200 words a day um um That's which not is, bad. Which how, is how, how big are your books like how many pages uh, 300 words uh, sorry 300 pages 30 chapters that, that's kind of what i aim for I mean, 900,000 words yeah huh? About hundred thousand words or so, eighty nine. Uh, yeah, about ninety. Words. Yeah, about ninety. Yeah, yeah. I'm somewhere yep. between the two. I mean, I, you know, I go off on slight tangents, and I've got a um, a very talented editor who kind of chops me back a bit. So I go, I go a bit larger, and he trims me off a bit. So that's good. Right, right. Um, but yeah, and so it's 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 um, it's a discipline. I mean, I guess I'm trying to make this a second career. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing wrong with I'm, that. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, I'm reasonably on on on, on track. Yeah. So, what is your, what is your process? Like, do you get up in the morning and sit down? I'm going to write. How do you what what do you, yeah, that's sterile environment? How do you write? I mean, I was never I was never really an early morning guy, but actually, mm. I, I think what's been happening is that I kind of maybe I'm slowly coming out of sleep, and you start thinking about stuff, and it's whirring in your head, and then you mm. say, "Oh, I might as well get up." So I right. do a little bit in the morning. I'm not sort of it has to be a certain time of stuff. I don't listen to music. Um, it changes between kind of. T- parts of the year sometimes it'll be on the laptop just you know here in the corner where i'm sitting now or um because we're sort of in the south of the country you know nice sunny days i'll sit in the garden um the two differences is either i'm typing it or i have this discipline which is oh my okay, goodness. i'm gonna sit down and write and i, <laughs> oh, and I wow. get away from it so you get a tiny 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 and I don't, if i don't i've got to do six pages otherwise i'm not allowed to get up um and that also applies if I take the family down to the beach or whatever. I've got um, a wife and two daughters. Yeah. I'm 21, one, one 16. And so we're down there. And rather than read, mm-hmm. I'll just sit there and scribble. And I mean, half the time. It's, this, did you transcribe that into typing and put them yeah, in the yeah, book? Or that, those are just yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, half the time, it, it can just be rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, even just figuring out what the hell I've written gets me thinking about it. And, you know, eventually it becomes words and eventually it gets tidy. And um, I typically reread go through three drafts mm-hmm. um yeah but kind of so you, say you feel like you go in like a you get to get on a like you start writing oh now i'm on a streak i just want to write 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 and, yeah. and finish my thought out yeah sometimes i mean i also do something which i call the slingshot which is okay i know 
where this chapter is going, mm-hmm. but I'm going to stop just before I've got there because then that way the next day, rather than sitting there with a white sheet of paper and going, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? I can mm-hmm. slingshot forward and I, and, I, and I get going again. And then I think once you're in there, you, you, you know, you, you kind of get going. Um, right. I think different folks do it different ways. And, you know, and, you know, I've kind of studied a bit and been on a few courses. I mean, I know that you, you interviewed um, Stephen Ronson, who's a, who's a buddy of mine. Um, we're, we were in the same writing course and, and group mm-hmm. and we sort of hook up every now and again to, to, to have conversations. And his book's coming out tomorrow, actually. So, yep. um, you know, good luck. Sure and there's a lot of things, you know, you learn about the, the, the sort of the business of being an author, which you just didn't think of before, mm-hmm. you know, about the marketing, about about um, about how important it is to have a social media profile, um, which platforms seem to work better than others. I mean, yep. you know, I think what do you Facebook, find? What do you find from a platform perspective? Well, I mean, I really like Twitter to start with, but now it seems to be kind of like imploding. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. good to get to know people and lots of authors and stuff. Um I'm a little bit cynical of the whole publishing industry, the traditional publishing industry, because like everyone else, I wrote away to a th- you know dozens and dozens of of agents, and I got stuff up to a certain point. But yeah. I do kind of think that I don't know about maybe in the US it might be different, but in the UK it seems to be a, 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 a business quite sort of run. I think it's eighty percent of books are bought by women, and I think a lot of the executives are women, and, and that's not necessarily a problem. But the kind, you know, when you're writing kind of bang bang stuff like you and I yeah. are, and Stephen, then actually maybe we're not straight off the bat, you know, front and center. Um, that said, you know, I mean, I'm really surprised. I'm doing really quite well. Um, I've got, you know, my first book has got almost two thousand ratings on Amazon. Oh, that's amazing. My, my second book has got twelve hundred. So, you know, yeah. I really can't complain. Um, and and I think it's kind of viral. Um, I do try to join lots of groups on Facebook. Uh-huh. And so, for example, you know, I'm a member of Warbirds. I'm a member of Battle of Britain. I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm a member yep. of of, of the, um, the military thrillers group. So lots of stuff that you can find on there. Um, uh-huh. And I've invited a few of my sort of author friends along. So um, just this morning, I invited a guy. There's a thing called um, military orders, which uh-huh. sounds a bit a bit dodgy. Um, right. But in fact, it's about um, the um, the Crusaders and the Hospitaliers and all the orders of knights that basically ran there. And he basically writes. He's from Utah, actually. A guy called Daniel mm-hmm. Coulter, nice guy. Um, he writes about um, the um, uh, the Templar knights. Yeah. The Crusades. Like, oh yeah. And so, and I said to him, "Listen, there's eight thousand guys here who are really inter- interested in this. You ought to join and basically slowly start talking about your book." I mean, yeah. That's the way I've been doing it. Um, right. And you mentioned my little promos, um, which I do. I don't know how effective they are, but I mean, you know, whenever you have an opportunity to get them in front of some people's eyes, then you know it seems to work. Um, yeah, some people are visual uh, buyers or visual learners, and they like that the, the visual aspect of. It, then kind yeah. of dive into what that is actually about. That'll uh, tweak their interest. Yeah, I mean, there's another thing which I try to do is that when there are kind of moments which are important, you know, I don't know, D-Day or Battle mm. of Britain Day and stuff like that, trying to say, hey, if you're interested, this is what I've done with it. Or And I try to do stuff around Veterans Day and, and, and Remembrance mm. um, Sundays, we call it here. But you've yep. got to be a little bit careful because, you know, you, you, you've got to be respectful and stuff. So, Oh, um, yeah, that's um, for sure. But, I mean, I've not offended anyone, I don't think. Um, well, I haven't, as far as I'm aware. Uh, um, <laughs> you'd I, know. Trust me, you'd know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I would... I think I've got one guy who um, who tried. Uh, I, I think he was a, he was a former 
U.S. serviceman here. He was living in Thailand, and I think he was just kind of having too much of a good time there and decided to have a go at me. Um, but uh, then he calmed down after a while. Oh, that's good. Probably the war off. Yeah, 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 whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Angry juice. Really in your body for a certain length of time. Anyway, so it'll all go. So what's your family think about you uh, being a uh, respected author now? Or they're like, okay, dad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they thought I was a bit kind of, oh, God, is he doing that again? Um, But yeah, no, it seems (laughs) to be. Um, I mean, that's the one thing which is kind of intriguing because they do say, whoever they are, that TikTok is a thing that authors ought to get into, right? Book talk. Mm Um, and yep. it's a bit confusing, and as far as I can tell, it's uh, it's lots of kids dancing around and stuff. So, um, so I've got a sixteen-year-old daughter, and I mean, she's got something like five, six thousand followers on, and God only knows what she's doing on her TikTok. Um, right. Every now and again, I do an inspection, um, but yep. uh, but uh, so at some point, I may try to do that. I mean, there's various things you can try, like excerpts, or what I might do is something which is like, you know. Today, 80 years ago, this happened, and in my book, this happened. I mean, but I've got to figure it out. Um, there's a few authors who have done quite well, and suddenly it goes boom. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess it's just a question of, of consideration, you know, um, and, right. and, and finding the target audience. Yeah, I do TikTok. I'll do it once. I have my thing is uh, a walking author Ooh. because I like to walk. Yeah. And then as I'm walking, I'll put a, I'll do a 30 second boom, you know. And talk about maybe a, a, you know, if you're having writer's block or whatever they call it, get out, exercise, yeah, listen to something, and let your mind go, and then come back and write because you're probably you know, rejuvenated, mm-hmm. or an upcoming a podcast that I have, or something about my book, or I'll put out, yeah, uh, you know, I'll I'll cook something, or I'll make ice cream, yeah, but I'll always have one of my books in the background, okay. but I won't talk about it. Okay. It, you know, so it's like, yeah. I don't want to talk, push all these things to everybody. So yeah. I get, you know, I get some good hits every once in a while. And the strangest thing that, that what you don't think would, people would you know, like do a lot of clicks on it's, it's like they do. Like uh, I had hmm. a, I got a flat top grill, right? Right. And right. I had a piece of salmon on it and I had a top on the salmon to let steam. Yeah. So I just put a little music to it. It took the top off to show people. <laughs> That's got like more views wow. than any of mine. I'm like. Maybe I should yeah, walk around with weird. salmon yeah, yeah. on my head or something. Yeah. Well, that's okay, but it's kind of like, how does that convert to something? I don't know. Exactly. I mean, that, yeah, you just want followers at that yeah, time. It's trying yeah. to just gain yeah. followers. I, mean, and I know then my daughter has got a whole bunch of friends, and and they heard that I was a writer, and mm. therefore they're following me. And every now and again, they say, "Hey, great, whatever." But you know, you don't really want to engage with like a fourteen, fifteen year old no. girl, right? You know, you're yeah, no. well away about and all yeah, that. I don't engage with I don't engage with any uh, anybody. Mm. I just put the videos out because yeah. Yeah, because I pull TikTok out, you know, I do it. I'm not a fan, yeah. uh, but I do it because I think it's a necessity. I do, you know, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. Instagram, yeah, uh, just to be able to get down. Because I didn't realize that the first that's what it was about when you when I first when I first wrote my book two years ago, mm-hmm. a year and a half ago, I wrote my first book, and it's been out about a year and a couple mm-hmm. months. Uh, but I didn't know, right? I thought you put your book out there and psh, yeah. people flock to it, even with a publisher. That's not the case. Um, so I think the book launch is critical, which I've learned in the second book to do a little better. Now that, you know, the third book and subsequent books, I even, okay, this is what I'm going to do differently Yeah. Uh, than I did the first couple. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I think one of the things, I think people who've always wanted to be authors 
have got this idea in their head that it's about going to signings and handing them out and selling them and stuff like that. Now I'm very well. I'm digital first, as they call it, which is mm -hmm. like the, the the majority of my um, my sales are, are through Kindle. Um, yep. A lot of people get really freaked out by Kindle Unlimited, where you basically get paid according to the pages read. Mm -hmm. um, um, but actually, that's a big chunk of, of my revenue. So right. you know, there are people who are paying whatever it is, they're 10 bucks a month or whatever. And actually, what you're trying to do is get a share of that. And if you've mm -hmm. got a book which is 300 words, uh, 300 pages long rather than 250 pages long, guess what? That kind of, you know, so all that yeah. kind of stuff you're thinking about, um, right. you know, the idea of owning a book is different. I mean, I got really upset initially when my publishers were like, like selling my books for like a dollar, uh, you know, uh, and stuff like right. that. And I'm thinking, oh. Of course. Um, but the thing I hadn't realized is that, okay, so you've got the hardback, wonderful hardback that you sort of see in, you know, um, like Waterstones over here, I guess, um, mm -hmm. um, Barnes & Noble over in the States, whatever. You know, and if you're a certain kind of author who's always wanted to be an author, that's kind of where your heart or your ambition is. And, you know, my friend Stephen, he's like that. I mean, he really wants to see his book in the, in, in the bookshop. Mm -hmm. I'm not that bothered, mainly because as a, as a, as a, as a digital-first author, I'm getting 50% of royalties. As a traditionally published author, you're getting like 10, 15 percent of yeah. royalties. And yeah. I guess as, as a self-published author, you're getting something like 90 percent of royalties or whatever mm -hmm. it is. So yeah. I mean, so if you just do the math, right? Right. I'm getting half the money for a dollar. Right. Stephen or whoever else is getting 10 percent, so that's 10 cents on the dollar over there, right? Mm -hmm. So if if it, so, it actually works out better for me. And probably right. gets, if I could be a successful self-publisher, which I'm not, then perhaps uh -huh. it would get even better. Right. Um, but these are things that people don't necessarily go in with. And then, you know, I'm quite a sort of a commercial, well, I call myself a commercial. Well, you, have a, you, have a, you have an ad background, right? So you understand. Exactly. So I'm, a, I'm a trader, you know. Um, you understand and, demographics and, 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 and getting someone from looking to buying. That's right, flipping that switch. Persuasion. Uh, um, um, you know, having a hook at the end uh, at the end of every um, of uh, every chapter to get you know into the next, and just right. kind of psychologies which I kind of worked out for myself, and hopefully you know they work in a way that perhaps someone who's a little bit more poetic and lyrical about it and kind of mm -hmm. doesn't understand why perhaps it, it doesn't sell so well. Um, right. You know, and then there's a question of literary ambitions or not. I mean, I don't claim to be particularly literary. I just like untold stories, things that people have forgotten about, mm -hmm. things that people ought to sit up and be respectful about and, and yep. be grateful for, and I want to tell those stories. And and also there's a whole, you know, okay, case in point. So I live between here and the beach, there's a big golf course, which I walk with my dog and my wife every day. And around the other side of the, of the golf course, I walk past this, this little rock about this sort of size. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that, it, um, so the nearest town that I live in is called Bournemouth. Um, and then the only Battle of Britain fighter pilot who got shot down in Bournemouth um, was a was a was a guy from New Zealand, um, and he basically crashed there, like two blocks away from me on a corner. Um, he jumped out of his plane; his parachute didn't open. Fam, you know, into the ground. He landed oh, wow. on a hedge, um, and the people who were in the house basically they called over and they basically he was buried and everything like that um and the, the husband and wife who were like you know put flowers on mm -hmm. his grave and said from the from the garden where this hero fell and about two months later their house bomb landed on it and the guy was killed the husband was killed um and then i you, you look into that and then in my street there's like 
two houses down the way, which oh. was also destroyed. Anyway, so you find out about these things. And um, my next book, for example, um, so I discovered on the 23rd of May, 1943, out of the blue on a Sunday, um, these um, a Fokker Wolf fighter bombers attacked Bournemouth and bombed a whole bunch of stuff. And something like 600 people were killed, but out of the blue, you know, Sunday afternoon. And the tragedy of it was um, during the war, because there were so many troops from you know, the US, Canada, mm. New Zealand, Australia and stuff, these guys were over here kind of fighting for us. But right. they didn't have any families. They didn't have anywhere to go on leave and, and stuff. And this is mm-hmm. this is when the sort of the bomber campaigns were going. And so basically yeah. the powers of the beast said, okay, hey, Bournemouth is a nice place down by the beach. We're gonna in that hotel we're gonna put the Canadians, in that hotel we're gonna put the Australians. Guess what got bombed? The hotel for the Canadians and, and actually mm-hmm. something like 150 of these Canadian and Australian uh, young guys um were killed and they're all buried. Um so I'm gonna put that in my next story. So stuff like that. I, so I like telling stuff, you know, stories right. about people, what people have forgotten, maybe, you know. Well, that's remarkable because how did the Germans know that? There had to have been some kind of espionage going on that they know those hotels. Well, that's very packed. interesting. It's very interesting because there's, um, they're actually known as the ba- – I'm probably mispronouncing this – the Baedeker raids, okay? And apparently in Germany there were um, hotel guides mm. back then which were called the Baedeker guides. And the Baedeker guys basically talked about places in the UK before the war that were good to go and visit. And they're saying that ah. they used the Baedeker guys, like, oh, we should go and bomb this guy and this place. That's the theory anyway. I don't know if that's true. That's um, interesting but- uh, because I think a lot of people thought, think, you know, when you look at a war movie now, you see, hmm. you know, the Americans and uh, the British and whoever, they're, 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 in, they're on the continent, right? They're yeah. in France, they're in Germany. But you have to figure out, that we didn't really well the italian campaign i think was in the late 43 and everything but before that you know we got in the war in 41 you know 1941 troops started probably going to england in 42 Mm -hmm. all everybody staged in the england right that's where they departed out of to the continent we didn't just land on normandy beach from you know new jersey yeah yeah. they were staged out there i think a lot of people don't know how many troops were there the first significant um, um, number of Americans oh. actually were involved, I believe, with the Dieppe raid, which was kind of like the opportunity for the Canadians to have a, a first go. Um, mm. But um, uh, all the Eagle squadrons were involved, and there were about three or four um, Mustang squadrons, you know, purely yeah. American ones who joined mm. in to get blooded. Um, and yeah. also, for the first time, U.S. Rangers went in with the commandos, you know, for the mm. first time. So that's the first time the U.S. got involved in, in, in Europe. Um, then the next big show, which was kind of run by the Americans, was um, the Torch Landings, which is North Africa. Uh-huh. Um, and, and actually interesting that there, yes, you're right, most of them were sort of springboarded off the, the UK, but there was yeah. actually one, one um, convoy or, of troops and everything which mm-hmm. came all the way from, from America and North basically Africa. into Africa, which is kind of like, yeah. God, you, you wouldn't want to be them. You know, be sick to, you know, you'd be sick as parrots. Oh, the, the, then they went to Italy. Like, then they went oh, to Italy. That, I mean, that was into northern France. Yeah. Actually, they were yeah. kind of lucky because the French didn't really want to fight. Now, I'm probably being a bit unfair there, but so so the torch landings, North Africa was a hell of a lot easier. Then the next tough thing was Tunisia, mm-hmm. um, which I'm writing about now, and that's where 
Patton first basically became important, but before that, the Americans got a real hard time in a place called Kasserine Pass. Yep, yep. Um, and then, but then basically working together with the British, the British coming from 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 Egypt and Libya, and the Americans coming down, basically it squeezed out, and and, and that was kind of. Tunisia was well, they the had Rommel. Right? And Rommel was fighting. I mean, he was a he was, a, right. well, he was, he was the brilliant really, tactician in armor right. warfare. He was the guy, but then he got kind of sick, and yeah. then he basically went off, and then someone came in, and and then so that was Tunisia. And what I'm doing now is is basically Sicily. So Sicily was again a sort of half and half show, but obviously kind of Patton and Montgomery mm-hmm. who didn't really like each other, and that's no. that. And of course, I'm a little bit removed because I'm actually sort of flying above them and mm. telling that story. But um, right. you know, so it's kind of interesting things to talk about. Uh, you know, there's like the mafia, their involvement, and 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 that sort of stuff. And and then there's all kinds of stuff like, I mean, one of the things is that the first time airborne were used properly in, in a large scale, both UK and US. Um, he, well, he was Major Gavin at the time, but he became Gavin of the 82nd Airborne. General Gavin, yeah, that's right. The first time that he actually led troops actually was a disaster because the weather was so bad it wasn't that the airborne troops were were, were, no, were no good it was actually the the pilots in the in the dakotas and in the mm-hmm. and in the um the towed uh, um gliders gliders mm-hmm. and then a whole bunch of american and british troops end up drowning because they were dumped in the sea um and then it turned out that they had all their gear but rather than having um life jackets may west life jackets mm-hmm. like you sort of see in, in the film they just had a rubber ring Yep. So what would happen is just go them upside down. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that happened also in um, um, at Slapton Sands, which I mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. So there's all kinds of stuff. You know, there's another part of my story, which is um, when the V bombs, the doodle bugs, started mm-hmm. coming over. You know, that mm-hmm. again was you know the blitz happening again, um, and there there was a really bad bomb that landed on an area of London, um, and actually it landed on a. Uh, American decontamination unit. Now, like, what does that mean? Well, it's because <laughs> they thought yeah. and they expected the Germans to get desperate and to start using chemical weapons, and so therefore That's they were more. Of... Yeah, exactly. But I mean, yeah. no one's quite, no one quite understands why he didn't use them because actually he was using them on all kinds of other people and things. And but he actually yeah. in, 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 in 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 warfare he didn't. And that was an unusual thing. But I guess it's it's sensible to have. A, you know, a bunch of experts uh, um, who would be able, you know, able to decontaminate stuff. Uh, I only think the reason why, because in World War One, he did get a little a Hitler got mustard gas. That's right, right he did. Yeah, yeah. So he, that might have changed his view, so he didn't do it from a strategic perspective. Yeah, I guess um, so. Because they're they're still finding to, I, I believe, you know, back in the eighties or something, yeah, they yeah. were still finding traces of mustard gas. Hmm. In the fields in Belgium and France, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was—I yeah. st- mean, it's, it's nasty, nasty stuff. stuff. Nasty stuff, yeah, yeah. Nasty stuff. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's gonna be hard to think of Hitler having lots of morals, considering all the things. Or that reasoning, happened. I mean, <laughs> or uh, but it's kind of like a strange thing to, you know, yeah. to consider. Um, but the irony is, that, as I say, this decontamination battalion got got hit by a, a doodle bug, and like loads of them got wiped out. And uh, the funny, and it's not at all funny story, is. Yeah. A day or two before that, in the same building uh-huh. that they were in, um, oh god, what the hell was his name there? Uh, uh, the big band leader with the glasses. Oh, uh, be, uh, Benny... Chattanooga Choo Choo and all that. Oh yeah. Oh, who's that? Yeah. I know you're talking about. I can't. Him think and his second. I'll be sitting at home going, "Boom!" I got it. Suddenly, <laughs> you're sitting in the shower, and suddenly you got it. Um, 
But no, so so he, so he apparently was actually kind of in the same building block or whatever. And a week before, he got a bit worried about these things flying over. He said, no, he said, no, listen, I got to move out. And he moved out. And he was lucky he survived that mm-hmm. because the other guys didn't. But ironically, he ended up dying, um, um, getting shot down um, over the channel about a week or two later. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, That's crazy. I, name now. I can't think of it. It's like uh, the most famous big bad yeah. leader ever. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of it. I'll, I'll think of it a little bit. But so you're, when you got three, th- two books out, your third, when's your third coming out? The third, third one comes out on the 22nd of December. Um, 22nd of December. Yes. Amazon are, are telling me they can get, you know, get it for Christmas. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So again, you know, being the ad guy, so my thing is, is that, you know, the, the standard response that I get from people when they find out about my books, it says, oh, my dad would love that. Or my uncle would right. love that. Or my granddad right. would love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, you know, I'll, I'll take that. That's okay. Um, yeah, I'm actually I'm writing my third mm-hmm. in the series. Yeah, but then I'm also going to start a, uh, a fictional uh, World War One. Ah, okay. From a first person perspective, right? Um, uh, so, so I'm started on that. What Sergeant uh, York? Um, kind of U.S. Um, perspective. It is, or, it's it's going to be U.S., but it's going to be I think uh, there's going to be a little twist in it uh, that I'm thinking about. It's not. I've started just outlining the book sure, right now, sure. the plot and everything, and then there's a children's book that I want to do. Yeah, uh, that uh, I mean, the, the one slightly left field thing. I'm what's well, not that left field, but uh, so I'm doing a um, a screenwriting course. I'm like uh, week seven now, and I started adapting uh, uh, my first book. I would love to do a, that. That would be become awesome. a kind of band of brothery kind of thing, you know, yeah. sort of six seven episodes. So I've mm-hmm. done the first one. Um, which is about 50 minutes long. I have no idea who I'd pitch it to, but I mean, I guess, you know, you've got to keep moving forward, you know? Yeah. Um, you got to have ideas, right? If you've got ideas, yeah. you put them down and yeah. make them work out eventually, and it may like take say, a while it's, to it's do quite it. A diffi- it's quite a difficult thing, you know, because, you know, as you know, when you're writing, so you've got, uh, okay, you've got dialogue, you've got description, mm-hmm. and then you've got sort of inner dialogue and sort of like reflections, and the guy says like, damn, she's good looking. Da, da, da. You know, yeah. And you can't do any of that stuff in screenplay except if you do a, what I think is quite a bad thing, you often sort of see like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is going, God, I hate that girl. She's so awful. And basically it's what's going on inside their head, right? Um, but that's kind of like, a, to me, a kind of lazy way of writing uh, a screenplay. So everything needs to be visual. And therefore you've got to change stuff. You know, you, you mm. invent guys to, to ask questions and, you know, right. you know, find a dumb guy who needs everything explained to him, you know, mm. stuff like that. Um, yeah, which is, that'd be interesting to be able to do. Well, so where can everybody find you, Patrick? Um, right. Well, I'm uh, I'm on Linktree. I mean, I've got quite an unusual name. So Patrick Larcimont. Um, um, plug that in and I come up all over the place. So I'm on mm-hmm. Facebook, t- Twitter, X, uh, Instagram. And one of the things I do do is, is try to load images which kind of inspire me to write. So actually they're on Instagram, um, uh, on Amazon. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like a, a big Amazon guy, um, um, so I'm all over that. Um, yeah, so pretty straightforward to find me, I guess. Excellent, excellent. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you today, and especially just talking about your books, but didn't talk about random things. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> that's kind of what author Eke is about, right? Definitely, uh, definitely. Well, as I enjoyed you know, Eke it. Eke is a corner in German, but uh, there's, there's there, there, we're just round, so there's no, there's no quarters. It's just uh, great stuff. corners or anything, but great. So it's been a pleasure. The best okay. of luck to you on your uh, new book, the other two that you have. Yeah, yeah. I know you're doing some other called, stuff too. So the next one is called The Maple in the Blue. 
And the maple is obviously our Canadian friends. Yeah. Um, and the blue talks about the big blue sky of North Africa. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, because um, um, well, the Brits used to talk about going, on, going off into the blue. Mm. Um, um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, uh, all of my series are the something and the something. Um, mm. um, so the next one is going to be uh, um, the Vulcan and the Straits. The Vulcan being oh, okay. the, volcano, the volcano of Etna. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Straits being the Straits of Messina. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, okay. and uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you very much. All the best. Thank Take you. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.